name's Steve Lombardo. I am the campus pastor at uh, Plano, and um, I'm so happy to be here. It was five years ago that we launched uh, the Plano campus, and so uh, my family's here this morning in this service, and we left this church, sadly, because uh, we love this church, but we just had an extension of this church to Plano, and um, we're super thankful to be there and excited to be there, but it's always special to come back here and uh, it's family, and so just uh, thank you for having me, Pastor Tim. He's not here, but he asked me to come, and so we're going to take just today a break from the Rediscover Church series, and, and then we're going to jump back into that, and if your small group is wondering, next week we're going to jump back into the Rediscover Church uh, series, but today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16, so if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, I'll meet you there in a minute. But today we're going to be talking about decisions. Actually, we're looking at what Jesus says about following him and making decisions in life uh, for him. And um, just right off the bat, these words of Jesus are simple. They're simple, uh, but they're not easy. And this is kind of like the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a simple message that even a child can understand, um, but it doesn't mean it's easy. And, and maybe you were a child when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Just by a show of hands, how many people were 10 years old or under when you came to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior? So quite a few of you did. And uh, you could understand that Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sin. And if you believe in him, he could give you eternal life. And, and so you believed in that message. You, you became a Christ follower even at that young age. And But it's hard to do that as uh, an older person. That's why... I'm, a lot of people, after the age of 19, the numbers go way down for people who come to know Christ. And uh, just curious, how many people were over the age of 19 when you came to know Christ? Let's see your hands. Well, praise God, that's a miracle, okay? Every, every time somebody comes to believe in Christ is a miracle, but that is an amazing thing. Because um, it's not easy because you have to repent, and you have to admit that you're a sinner, and you have to admit that you have a need for a Savior, and you have to submit yourself to the life of Christ, and and that's not an easy thing, and today we're going to see that same thing in Matthew chapter 16 as we talk about making decisions as a Christian. So this is for Christ's followers. This is for Christians. And if you're not a Christian, you're welcome to be here, and I hope that you listen, and I hope today you become a Christian. Um, but, but this message is for followers of Jesus Christ. The decisions that we make every day in life determine who we become. Whether we're successful or we're a, a failure. Um, whether we're healthy or, or we're not so healthy. Uh, whether we have a great, thriving marriage or we have a marriage that's headed toward divorce. Those decisions in life shape us and, and make us what we are. Um, I did come to Christ when, when I was really young. And I remember it. Um, I remember the preacher was preaching and at the end of the message, he said, uh, if anybody wants to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, raise your hand. And, and so uh, I raised my hand. And then he said, okay, now this is going to be harder, um, but don't be ashamed of Christ. Stand up and come forward and come to the altar. And so I, that was harder because my friends were around and everybody, oh boy, I had to go forward. And so I went forward. And uh, how many people went forward to an altar call like that? You responded in that way. Okay, your hands are up. Okay, now stand up and come. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we, uh, I did that, and it was amazing. And God can save in an instant. And, and conversion happens, it can happen like that. 
Maybe that's your story, but maybe your story's not like that. But I, I begin to realize as a pastor that there's lots of people who when asked for giving proof of them being a Christian, they pointed back to that prayer that they prayed at the altar. And, and yet their life bore no fruit whatsoever of being a Christian. And the decisions that they made weren't for the Savior, Jesus. The decisions that they made were for themselves, time and time again. And so it breaks my heart that there would be people thinking they're a follower of Jesus Christ, and they point back to some prayer that they prayed in some distant past place, and yet never make a decision to live for Jesus. A Christ follower makes decisions for Christ. Not perfectly, not, all, not without failing and faltering and failing, uh, falling down. But we make decisions for Christ, and that's what we're going to see uh, today. These decisions that we make are very powerful, and they shape a person. And um, I found myself one day on YouTube, and I was going down a rabbit trail. And I looked up, and it had been two hours, and I didn't know what happened. Uh, has anybody ever done that? Uh, thank you. Don't leave me up here. Yeah, you, you were on YouTube, and you got down a path, a weird path. I got down a path uh, about serial killers. I don't know how, but I, I did. And, um, and, and I was looking at it, and not just because I was morbidly curious of these stories, but it's because I started seeing these people, and I started thinking, who, how could these people do these terrible things, these evil, terrible things? And, and, and I looked at, uh, uh, what, I have a picture of one of the guys. Anybody know who this is? His name's Ted Bundy, the serial killer Ted Bundy. In Plano, when I showed this, somebody shouted out really loud. Said, that's Pastor Keith Duff, they said. And I said, I said no, that's, that's a serial killer. Um, but, uh, but <laughs> so anyway, he killed lots of people. It's hard to transition from that to the reality, but sorry. But, but he did, and he's a nice, good-looking guy like Pastor Keith. And, um, and he had a, a girlfriend, and he had he cared for her little kid. And, and, and how was he capable of killing dozens of women? What happened in the 24 hours before he died? He had an interview with James Dobson. And he said he believed part of it was his addiction to pornography when he was very young. And reading these pornographic books, and, and he kept going back to them and other images. And he had to get uh, darker images and, and led down this path becoming a murderer then I saw this other one and I, I saw this other one because the kid he looked like a kid to me he's like 22 years old but didn't look much older than my oldest son and I started thinking this guy killed somebody and he did he he was uh, stationed at an army air force um, or air force base in Phoenix Arizona and he drove 270 miles to New Mexico and uh, he went into this little Mennonite community and he went to the church, and uh, Sasha Kraus was at the church by herself, and he shot and killed her, and then took her out into the desert and discarded her like waste. And it's like, how could, how could he do this? And uh, he grew up in a Mennonite church, and he hated the Mennonite church, and he was hurt by people in the church and he despised his parents for bringing them there. And he had this bitterness and this anger that just welled up so much so that that day he said, I'm going to go take out my revenge and anger. And she bore the brunt of it. 
at this little Mennonite community. The decisions that we make, even though seemingly insignificant on a day-to-day basis, shape us into what we will become. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see the importance of these decisions. Let me give you one reference from each, okay? The first one is from Joshua chapter 24. And this is the nation of Israel in the promised land. They had just come into the promised land. Moses led them out of Egypt. Moses couldn't enter the promised land because he had sinned against God. And so who took over after Moses? Joshua. And he was leading the people. And now Joshua was about ready to join Moses in, in heaven. And, um, and so he gives a final pep talk to the people. And the pep talk is for them to decide to follow God. Even when all the idols around them, the people are pursuing them, you pursue God. You stick to Yahweh. He says this in, in uh, Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell... But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The decision made. I don't care what anybody else is doing. We're going to serve the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is explaining to the church what he does as an apostle and what the other apostles are doing. And that is they're calling people to come and believe in Jesus Christ. He says that we are ambassadors for Christ. It's as if God is making his appeal through us. And we're imploring you, come to Jesus. Be reconciled to God. And he's saying this. And then he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. There's a time. The time is now. And maybe some of you need to hear this. It's time for you to come to Jesus. You've been playing around with Jesus You've been maybe acting like a Christian because your parents want you to. Or maybe you're trying to be the godly dad or father, but you don't really buy it all. And now it's time to make a decision. To decide to follow Christ. And to get right with Him. Now is the time of salvation. But one of the most haunting passages in the New Testament are the words of Jesus that we find in Matthew 16. So now we're there. Look at verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory, in the glory of his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. In this text, we see first a job description for a Christian. You call yourself a Christian? Well, here's what you're to do. Okay? The first one is this. You don't do everything you want to do. As a disciple, you're following Jesus, a Christian. Look at the text, verse 24. If anyone would come after me. So you're following Jesus. You're a Christian. You believe in Jesus. If you want to be a Christian, the first thing is, 
deny yourself. You don't do everything that you want to do. You make the decision not to do certain things even though you have a desire for them. You make a decision not to participate in certain things even though you would like to. You deny yourself as a Christ follower. In the same way, a person who is trying to lose weight does not go to the sandwich fair and eat two funnel cakes, okay? Because they have a goal in mind. Thankfully, I'm not trying to lose weight, so I did, did that. Um, <laughs> you don't do that because of the goal in mind, right? Um, in the same way, a young person who's trying to save money for a car realizes that they can't waste it all at the gas station even though as glorious as Casey's is, they shouldn't waste it on all the energy drinks and candy bar. They put that away because of a goal of getting a car. If you're trying to start a business and you're working really hard, but it's a beautiful day outside, you don't take the afternoon off even though you would like to, even though it would be nice to do that. You're not doing it because you have a goal in mind, and that goal is building a business. In the same way, a Christian, a disciple doesn't participate in everything that they want to do because the goal is following Jesus. A Christian follows Jesus and does what he commands because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we follow him. Now this teaching of Jesus, that he is the truth, that he's the way, it's totally antithetical to our culture today. And our culture and our world is trying to shape us into its image. Do you believe that? Or can you just live neutrally and not be affected by the world? No. The world's going to impede on you. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you're not actively thinking about the things that you're doing in this world, the world's going to be making you into something, and it's not Jesus. And so in our world today, Jesus is not the truth. What's the truth? It's your truth. What do you believe? What do you want to do? You have certain things that you'd like to do. Forget about what's true or what's not true. Be true to yourself. That's what's important at the end of the day. And you have certain tendencies. Indulge in them. Don't worry about any other nebulous outside truth. Don't worry about Jesus. Don't worry about God who made everything. Worry about yourself. You're the real God. And so just, if you happen to have something that you're struggling with, that's part of you, just indulge in it. It's fine. We all have certain proclivities, don't we? To certain sins. And uh, I'll just be honest with you. Confession time. Um, I, I can lose my temper at times. Okay? And, and uh, if I was to leave after this service... Um, we only have two services in Plano, so this is the third one, so I'm like extra tired. And you know when you're extra tired or hungry, hangry, you tend to uh, fall into sin a little bit easier. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, um, and so I could go home on the way home and get cut off by somebody because there's a lot of bad drivers out there. And I could go by them and shake my fist at them or something else at them, right? And, and totally lose my testimony. Uh, and I'd want to do that. Trust me, I'd want to do that. And, uh, but I'm not going to, by the grace of God, because I'm following Christ. And um, now, it doesn't mean that I don't make bad decisions. And we all, as Christians, we're going to make bad decisions. But the, the goal of our life 
ought to be that we don't indulge ourselves in every single thing that we want to, that there are going to be times where we have to deny ourselves the things that we want for the sake of following Christ. Um, now, sometimes there are things that we um, deny ourselves that they're not even sins. Can you think of that? Are there any things that you, anything that you deny yourself because you realize that it might take you to a place um, that will be a sin, that, that will be against Christ? It, it might take you to a place where you're going to face stronger temptation. It's like the guy that uh, gets out of rehab. He's been in rehab for 30 days. He's 30 days sober. And he gets out and uh, he, he comes back home and he's like, oh, there's the bar I used to go to every single night. I'm going to go back there now. I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to go back there to hang out with my buddies because I miss them and I'll just drink Diet Coke. How many people say that's a bad plan? bad plan for that guy um and so it's not a sin to go hang out with his buddies um and but he denies himself for the sake of his health right how much more so do we deny ourselves for the sake of our spiritual health the things that might lead us to a place of greater temptation a christian denies himself here's number two you do some things that you don't want to do. Look back at the text. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And see the next phrase? Take up his cross and follow me. Take up your cross. This is a picture of a condemned criminal on their way to their own capital punishment, carrying the thing that they're going to be killed on. This would become even more significant soon in the life of Jesus because he's going to do the exact same thing. And he's going to do it um, physically, and he's going to do it spiritually. He's going to bear his cross. And uh, so this is the picture of ultimate submission to doing something that is very difficult and hard. And so a Christian denies himself on the one side, but then also does some things that they don't necessarily want to do. It could be very difficult. It could be uh, very hard. Some of you moms, you get this. You had a tough week. Any of you moms had a tough week dealing with tough kids, dealing with school stuff back in school, and uh, dealing with uh, maybe some of you moms have some little older kids and you had to do some tough love, and that's hard, isn't that's difficult, but what did you do? You did it because you're mom. That's who you are. You did it. I remember when my uh, oldest uh, son, and uh, we're a little nostalgic now because he left for college, you know, it's a little hard, and I remember when he was a little tyke and a little baby, and uh, one time he uh, pooped and uh, it went up to the back of his neck and I don't know how it defies gravity that way but some of you young parents you're dealing with that right now maybe you're finding out for the first time it's really true it's, it doesn't operate according to the laws of physics it, it happens and you know what my wonderful godly beautiful wife went right in there and took care of it cleaned him up now I, I know she probably didn't want to do it but she did it because she was mom I couldn't help I was driving I prayed for her though uh, while she was doing it and um but she did it because she's mom. Some of you dads, you work really hard. You come home. You're annoyed, but you're going to love your wife. You're going to embrace her. You're going to kiss her. And you're going to go play baseball with your son. You're going to play volleyball with your daughter. Why? Is it easy? No, but it's who you are. Same with being a Christian. There are things that Jesus calls us to do, and they're difficult, and they're going to be very hard to do, but we do them. Why? Because that's who we are. And we could spend a whole sermon series on the difficult things that God calls his people to do, but let me just give you a few of them. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. How you doing with that? Pray for those who persecute you. Forgive someone. Unlimited. Ask for forgiveness. That's hard, isn't it? I remember when I'd ask for forgiveness to my kids, when uh, my family, when they were really young. That was a humbling experience. Thankfully, that only happened one time, but that, that was very humbling. <laughs> Verse 25, then Jesus goes on, and he says something just absolutely amazing. Verse 25, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, here's what he's saying. If, if you work so hard to, to hold on to your life, do things your way, and you're selfish, and you refuse God, you refuse Jesus, and you're trying to save your life, you're actually going to lose it. But if you lose your life for me, when you come to the truth, you actually find that that's where you find life. That's different from the world. Much different. The world says, here's the answer. Come and embrace it. You're going to find yourself. Find yourself. And Jesus says, you know, your life, it's found actually outside of yourself. It's found in me. uh, So you're going to have to make some decisions. And the world's going to offer you some good things. It looks like good things. Let me give you some, some things, okay? How about popularity and prestige? Oh, the world talks about this a lot, especially now. I mean, how many followers do you have on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok? Uh, how many views do you have? How many views is this sermon going to get? I really hope a lot. I hope a lot of people watch this sermon. If I can be famous, then I'll be granted prestige. Prestige is the admiration of others. By the way, I am under no illusion that I'm up here preaching this message because I got this figure out. God is preaching through his word to us this morning. I don't want your admiration. Your admiration is for Christ. But the world says, get that prestige. Get that popularity. Then you'll find the, the fulfillment that you desire. How about this? Power. Love is fine. But um, I don't care if people love me. They just... If they fear me, then that's even better. There's some power in that. By the way, that's opposite of Jesus, too. Jesus didn't have power and authority because he um, submitted people to his power over them, his authority over them. He, He came under them by serving them. That's where his power was shown. The Son of Man came to not be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's an opposite way. It didn't look like a powerful way, Jesus going to the cross, but it was a powerful way. He served by coming under, by giving, by serving, by giving of his life. How about this prosperity? This is a big one. If I can just make this much money a year, then I will be satisfied. If I can um, just go on this vacation, if I can just build this dream house, then our family will be happy. If I just get the power ball just this one time, God, then, then we'll be all good. It doesn't work out. Strangely enough, the people that get, get this are billionaires. Billionaires get it because they're at the end of the spectrum. And they've been chasing the carrot all along and then they get the carrot and they start eating it and they realize it doesn't satisfy. 
The other people that get it are terminally ill people. Terminally ill people, you got six months to live. I don't know anybody who got six months to live that says, I'm going to go get another job so I have some extra pocket money for the last six months. There's no answer in prosperity. How about this? Pleasure and promiscuity. Pleasure, what feels good, do it. It's hedonism. Hedonism says pleasure is God. And promiscuity means that pleasure with whomever, whenever I want it. Pleasure and promiscuity. And yes, those things can feel good in a season, but do they, find, do they fulfill what the world promises them? It can fulfill, which is your heart's desire. The answer is no. One guy that uh, understands this, he's not a Christian by any means, uh, is a guy by the name of Dan Bilzerian. Dan Bilzerian, he's got all the things that we just talked about. He's popular. He's got millions of followers. He's, he's uh, on Instagram with, with uh, hundreds of women all the time. He's got all the money that he can ever spend, and, and he's got all this. And he was just recently asked on a podcast about uh, this and what brings him pleasure. And uh, it's an interesting answer. I want you to take a look. It's crazy. You know, I'm like worth $350 million. You know, a lot of people equate money to happiness, and it's not. It's more freedom. What people don't understand is like once you have basic needs met, you don't get incremental happiness for more money. You do for a short period of time. Like if you're a $100,000 a year guy and I bump you to $200,000, you are going to be happy. But that's not going to last. You're going to get used to $200,000. My problem is, you know, and a lot of rich people, there's nothing that I buy that brings me happiness. I bought a Ferrari. I wasn't happy for more than 24 hours. Put 100 miles on got rid of it. You know, like I just didn't care. I can't get pleasure spikes anymore. Being a pleasure seeker is like being a drug addict. You take a Percocet, makes you feel good. You know, now two weeks later, you got to take two Percocets to get the same feeling. Three weeks later, you're taking three, four, five, and then eventually you're taking them and don't get high anymore. Same thing with pleasure. Pleasure is like fleeting, and pleasure is one of those things where it's like, it's a black hole, you know? So I pray that he comes to find Christ. That's the answer. There's another guy that was much more powerful than that guy. He had a lot more wealth, had a lot more women, had a lot more everything. His name was Solomon. And Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he gave his answer to this pursuit that the world would give. Take everything that the world has to offer and go as hard as you can into it. And he said at the end of the day, here's what Solomon says. He says, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. You're going to have a decision before you. Jesus, the Savior, or yourself and the world. The reality is these things will never deliver. Only following Christ will give you the happiness and the joy that you so desire. Now here's some questions to ask as you face your daily grind as a Christian. Because being a Christian can be a grind, right? I mean, you gotta, denying yourself isn't always that pleasurable. Doing the difficult things is not always first on my list. Oh, give me the hard stuff, Jesus. So ask these questions. Number one, will it satisfy? Will it satisfy? Not just in the moment, because sin brings some satisfaction, else you wouldn't be tempted by it. But will it satisfy ultimately? How about this? Will it last? Will it last? Will it uh, stand up to the test of time and to the judgment of God? Back to our text in Matthew chapter 16. The last verses, 
Jesus references this. Here's the judgment factor. He says, For the Son of Man, verse 27, is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He has done. To the thing that you're deciding to do, is it going to stand the test of judgment? Will it last? Or will it be burned up in the righteous judgment of God? That's why Jesus says, store up yourself treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy it there. Don't, don't, don't put the treasures on earth. That stuff that's fleeting, invest in things of God. And so as you make your daily decisions in life, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what kind of ice cream to buy at Baskin Robbins. Okay, make that decision. I'm not, not, not talking about that. Here's the decisions I'm talking about. I'm talking about pursuing purity each day. And we all have cell phones, right? And we're all exposed to things every single day. And how many here today are not even thinking about pursuing purity as you use this device for so many good things and yet to the detriment of your own soul? And you call yourself a Christian and yet day in and day out and it's just the daily addiction and habit and you don't give any thought to coming under the lordship of Christ and denying yourself the pleasure that you seek. I know it's difficult, but there's a help there for that. There's accountability for that. There's programs and things that you can even put on your phone that at least will give you a minute, a second to, to think about it for a second. How about this? The relationship with your wife or the relationship with your husband. That you would have a fight as we all do, but you would come together, you would come back and ask for forgiveness. And that you would forgive. And you wouldn't hold any bitterness. And you wouldn't give the devil a foothold because when you go to bed with that bitterness, that's the foothold. And it comes, starts to fester, and, and then uh, resentment happens. And, and, and make the decision to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Make the decision to love and respect your husband and to come along together as a team to follow Christ in your home. I'm talking about the decisions for your children and for your kids and what your home's going to be about what you're going to be known for. I'm talking about what you put into your body. And just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's helpful. What are you... Are you deciding to live for Christ in the actions that you participate day to day? You are a Christian, and therefore the word means little Christ. Is that what you look like to the people around you? A Christian denies himself and does what the Lord asks him to do. That's what a Christian does. Here's a chain, and uh, chains are used um, to bind people, right? Chains are used to, to uh, oppress people. Chains have been used um, to stop people from living their life, right? 
And, and we have so many chains today. Uh, we have chains of addiction. You name the addiction. There's a chain for it. And, and some of you are struggling with that chain right now. Uh, there's, there's chains of depression and anxiety keep you up at night. There's chains of bitterness and anger and resentment. There's chains in families of unforgiveness. Um, but the devil doesn't come to us with a big old chain like this and say, hey, you want this? Nobody wants a chain. We're too smart for that. So we, we say no. We, we, we don't go for that. Where is it? Here it is. The devil doesn't come with, with a chain. He comes to us with a choice every day. And we make the decision. And so you could say the devil made me do it, but in reality, you're the one that built your own chain by the decisions that you make. And a Christ follower is not to be bound by any chain. A Christ follower has been set free. And so the decisions that you make determine the person that you will become. Young person, think about that. As you live your life apparently carefree and the decisions you make doesn't matter. It does matter. It matters for who you will become. 